All right, church, y'all ready for the word? Yes. Did you come here to receive something this morning? Came here to to receive all that the Lord has. I mean, you've already given him your worship. And now it's time to sit back and rest and just receive from what the Lord has for you this morning. Amen. It's always good, church. It's always good. You will never be condemned from this place. You will never made, be made to feel shame from this place. It's not for you. That's not God's heart for you. Jesus took upon himself condemnation, guilt, shame, all those things. There is therefore now no condemnation for you who are in Christ. Amen? Amen. So let's just jump into the word and uh, we'll start out by just thanking our Father. Will you all pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. It's always true. It's always on time. Thank you for blessing us, giving us life, even restoring our bodies through your word, Father. We thank you for the people you have here at this appointed time to bless them, to grow them, to increase them, Lord. Thank you that they will walk out of here differently than when they came in, having met with Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Thank you for always being good and always being for us. Father, speak through me now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. His plan for protection and provision. Anybody want to know God's plan? God's plan. Nobody knows the song. (laughs) Probably shouldn't know it. But anyway, uh, I wanted to start out in Exodus 12. Exodus 12 is the chapter on uh, the Passover. You guys remember that? Passover. Uh, The children of Israel uh, were told to put uh, sacrifice a lamb, put blood over their doorposts, and the angel of death would pass over them. But that was the tenth plague. Amen? Tenth? Do you guys know what the ninth plague was? The ninth plague. Let's look at it. It's in Exodus 10. It's very interesting because I think it relates to us today. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven, and there that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, darkness which may be felt. A darkness, not just darkness, but darkness that you could feel, right? Darkness you could feel. And and I believe that that's happening today too as well, that there is a darkness out there that you can feel, especially if you're a believer. Because things that that seem right are are now wrong, and things that are wrong are now right. And And you're seeing that everywhere, right? You're like, what is going on? Right? It's crazy. So so there's so much confusion out there and there's so much death and destruction out there that, that we can get focused on that sometimes. It's a darkness that you can feel. Would you agree? Yeah, and it, and it kind of, the, the darkness is, is, is something that really affects your soul. It affects your outlook on life. And it, it really is all about what you focus on. And that's what I want you to see this morning. You're, you're, you are protected from, from that darkness. Because look at this. There is a darkness that you can feel in this moment. But So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days, right? They did not see one another. They couldn't see one another. Think about that. They couldn't see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. So God protected them. They had a light in their dwelling. Now, question. It wasn't a light that you could physically, it wasn't a fire. It wasn't a candle. Because if that was the case, don't you think the Egyptians would have went and found them? 
It says that they could not leave their place because it was so dark. They couldn't even see one another. That light inside of them was something different. Amen? It wasn't a physical candle or a physical fire or whatever. It was something different. Their light was in them. And the Lord protected them from that darkness. That's us today. When there's darkness all around, you got to know there's a light in you. And you don't look at the fear so that you can be afraid. You look at your Savior so that you know you're saved. Amen? All right, check this out. Back to this one. I wanted to show you Isaiah 62, actually. For behold, the darkness. Now, this is what we talked about last week. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. See, there's two different groups here. Darkness is going to cover the earth. Darkness is covering the earth. Their eyes are blinded, right? But you, but you, this is good news. Uh, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Glory, his light will be seen in you, on you. And I'm here to tell you, when, when there's deep darkness around and it's covering, people are looking for a light to go to. Amen? Would you agree? When times get tough, you go to somebody that has a light on them. Because you know that person will give you hope. You don't go to somebody who's walking around like this. You're like, bro, I got my own problems. Right? I can't help you. No one ever runs to somebody like that. That's why it always it always baffles me in the movies when they make Jesus look like he's desperate. Do you think Jesus would have attracted anybody like that? Do you think Jesus would have said, hey, come follow me. I'm going to make you fishers and men. Those guys were like, whoa, <laughs> that guy's a motivator. <laughs> Man, Jesus wasn't like that. He was full of life, full of joy. On the road to the cross where he was taking our place is when that stuff came in, right? But even then he said, hey, keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me. When he was hanging on the cross, he was taking our place. I mean, you wouldn't be happy if you were hanging on the cross, would you? But that's the only time because he was taking our place during that moment. But I believe all the other times, man, Jesus was, was just full of faith, full of fire. He knew who he was, knew who his dad was, and he people were drawn to him. And it was dark back then. It's dark today. The only difference is he's living in us. He's in us. They see our light, his glory upon us. Amen? All right, back to Exodus 11. So check this out. This is the chapter right after the, the ninth plague, the darkness. And then the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one plague, one more plague on Pharaoh in Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out of here altogether. Right? Speak now in the hearing of the people and let every man, let every man ask his neighbor and every woman from her neighbor articles of what? Silver and articles of gold. So what I want you to see here is there's about to be a wealth transfer from Egypt who had everything to God's people who had nothing. And is it light or dark outside, so to speak? It's a very dark place. God's about to bless them. Amen? Because that's what he does. When you think it's darkest, when you think there's no hope, that's why he's a savior. Amen? He didn't just save you from your sins, church. He's, he's redeemed you from your stinking thinking. So, 
And the Lord gave the people favor. Woo. Favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. Moses was like God lifted him up. God gave them favor. Let me tell you something. When God gives you favor, doesn't matter what kind of darkness is going on around you. You have the favor of Almighty God on you. And if he's for you, who can be against you? Amen? That's what we focus on. Even when there's deep darkness, even when you can't see the hope, you don't have to look for the hope. The hope is in you. Look in the mirror. Turn that frown upside down and say, thank you, Jesus. That's all we can do. It's, it's where you focus, church. Where you focus. You got to know he has positioned you for protection. He's already done it. Amen? All right. Uh, Exodus 12. Now, now, did this happen? You remember they went and asked for the silver and gold. Do you think I would have told them to do that if God wasn't going to make it happen? Same day. Check this out. Now, the, this is after the Passover, right? Now, the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. They profited from the Egyptians. You know what? You know why? They, some people say, well, why did God give them favor? Right? That's not their stuff. They didn't earn it. Let me tell you something. They were slaves and they never got paid one cent. They did work for it. And God blessed them beyond measure. God always had them. Just when you think there's no hope, you might be a slave to your job. You might be a slave to your debt. But I'm here to tell you, your father in heaven, man, he will get you out of it. He will. That's what he does. You know why? Because he loves you. He doesn't want you there. He doesn't want you in bondage to somebody else. He wants you free. And so for the, for the Israelites, man, he gave them exactly what, what, what he told them to ask for. Because that's what our Father does. He loves you. He loves you. Do you believe that, church? Proverbs 13, 11 says this. Wealth, is gained, wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished. But he who gathers by labor will increase. Don't sit back and go, God's going to take care of me. <laughs> Amen. I tried that. It didn't really work. <laughs> the Lord will provide. Yeah. Get out there and do something. Right? God, God, God is not saying sit back and don't work. Amen. And when I say work, I mean physical labor because that's what God is blessing. Right? But he who gathers by labor will what? It doesn't say he may increase or may decrease. It's, he will increase. And you're not doing it. It's not your, it's the, 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 what I'm going to show you is it's not your boss. It's not even your hand, handiwork that increases you, right? It's the favor of God that does that. It's God who gives you the increase. It's God who gives you the ability to get wealth, the Bible says. Do you believe it, church? All right. Uh, Proverbs 10 said, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Why aren't these verses talked about in church, in Bible studies? Because people have done a wonderful job, in a negative way, of saying that this is the health and wealth gospel. 
The Bible doesn't call it the health and wealth gospel. The Bible calls it the gospel. It's just the gospel. It's the good news. And we can't be afraid to, to, to say, am I saying this or is the Bible saying this? We just got to speak it out by faith. Not by what we see, but by faith. Amen? All right. So look at the word for rich. Ashar, right? This, this, this is it's to, be, to be or become rich or wealthy. Some people say, well, it's spiritually rich. What does it say? I mean, don't argue with the Bible, amen? Just don't. It is what it is. Don't let people you hear or heard growing up tell you something different. And if they did tell you something like me and I learned it growing up, and then you see something like this, you're like, God, what are you trying to say? But you don't make apologies for it. It is what it is, amen? That's what it says. So the root word of the word rich is the word tithe. How you guys do that? So the tithe is wrapped up in the word rich. Do you think that's by coincidence? Isn't that interesting? We'll, we'll see this in a second. We're going to do a deeper dive, man. I, I really struggle with this, but God, man, God, I'm just going to speak out what the Lord gave me. Amen. God's plan is gathering by labor, tithing, and then increasing. That's his plan. Always has been. It's in scripture. You gather by laboring, tithing, and increasing. That's God's plan to bless you. Okay? So, look at Exodus 10. When God blessed them with all the silver and the gold, I want you to see there was deep darkness in the land. Deep darkness, but there was a light in them. That light gave them hope. You have a choice. To focus on the light that is in you, the hope you have in Christ, or the darkness. The world wants you to focus on the darkness. Focus on the light that God will always bring you out. God's plan is to bless you. It really is. God's plan is to bless you. You know why God's not out to judge you, Christian? Because he put that on Jesus. Amen? Is he going to do it again? Why would he do it again? He did it one time. He put it on Jesus. So that now we have the blessings of Abraham and not the curses of Abraham. We get the blessings and not the curses. That's how good he is. And that's how much he loves you. That's what the world needs to hear. That's what we need to hear. That's what the world needs to hear. All right. Uh, Exodus 12. So now we're going back. And this is the basis for why we have all the perfect gifts from above. The main point of protection and provision. If you don't have this, you don't have protection and provision. You have this, you have all of it. Let's see what, that, what this is. Now, now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying, This month, say this month. This month shall be the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. The beginning of the month. Now, the beginning of the Jewish calendar is, uh, is Rosh Hashanah. That, Rosh Hashanah, that is the beginning of the Jewish calendar. Always has been the beginning of the Jewish calendar. This Nisan right here is now the, the new year. It's the new beginning, right? So God is saying all this time, like it doesn't matter what your past is, this is a new day. This is a new beginning for you. Amen? That's what he's telling them. Don't, don't look back. Don't worry about the past. Don't be in fear that you were slaves. I'm bringing you out. This is a new day. Amen? 
You feel like you need a new day in your life every once in a while? Well, guess what? God says this is a new day, but you have to make that up in your head. You have to say, thank you, Lord. Today is a new day. That Your grace is new to me today. Your favor is upon me today. It's fresh upon me today. You start waking up like that, man, things start to happen. And I'm not just saying, your words matter. If you wake up and go, man, God, it's raining. I just want to stay in bed. going to call Dwayne and have him preach. Amen. I'm, and you know what I'm going to tell him? I'm going to say, hey man, you got to be ready in season, out of season. <laughs> y'all, y'all think that's funny. All that stuff went through my head this morning. <laughs> oh my goodness. Alright, back to this man. It, it, he goes, speak to, speak to all the congregation of Israel saying, on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb. Say, a lamb. A lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. One lamb for a household. A lamb for a household. Very interesting, right? And if the household is too small for the lamb, I love to stop there. It's never the lamb is, uh, or the house is too big for the lamb. Isn't that, isn't that cool, man? And if the household is too small for the lamb, Jesus is bigger. Jesus is bigger. Now it says if the household is too small for the lamb, say the lamb, the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons according to each man's need. You shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb, say your lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. So what's interesting here is you see it says a lamb, then the lamb, then your lamb. We all know Jesus as a lamb, but then we come to know him as the lamb, and then he becomes our lamb. Isn't that awesome? None, none of that stuff's in there by chance. He's your lamb, church. It's personal now. From afar, he was a lamb. And then we're like, man, he really is God's son. He's the lamb. And then you're like, but he's my lamb. He's my lamb. It's personal. I love that. It's a relationship. Under law, he's the lamb. Under law, he's not. He's, he, we're hoping for the lamb. We're hoping for a lamb. But under grace, he is the lamb. And he's my lamb. His grace is on me. His favor is upon me. His light is in me. Now it's very personal. So uh, it says God put them in a position of protection and provision by what? The lamb. That's your basis. That's your position. God has put you there by the lamb. Without Jesus, you can't be there. You can't, unless you're perfect, right? Unless you're me, you cannot be there. And don't strive to be me. You can't. You will not be able to mess up as much as I do, trust me. <laughs> God said the only way you can have this, he put you in a position. The Israelites, he put them in a position of protection. The angel of death went around their house because of the blood of the lamb, Amen. And, and then he provided for them. He gave them everything they needed. Everything they needed. All the silver, gold, and clothes they needed, he gave to them. 
because of the lamb. It's the lamb. It's Jesus. I want you to hear me. It's Jesus that has given you all that you need and then some. He is the God of much more. The Bible says. All right, Hebrews 5, 9 through 11. So we see, we see how we're protected. Let me show you how you're, you're, you increase in, in, according to God, right? And having been perfected, he made the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. That's Jesus. Jesus is perfected. Amen? Perfected. Called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek is not mentioned very often. Because there are the, the, the order of the Levite priests, the Levitical priests. Here we have Melchizedek. Now, you've heard me say this before. Levitical priests would bless you. They would bless you if you were perfect or if your sacrifice was perfect. And, but they would curse you if it wasn't. So if you took a sacrifice to the, to the Lord and you gave it to your high priest that represented you back in the day, what they would do is they would go, but if the high priest had some stuff going on in him, guess what? Everybody he represented would be cursed for a year. No bumper crops, no fruit of the loin. Everybody understand? Okay, good. None of that stuff, right? But if, if the priest was, was good and his sacrifice that represented him was good, then, then the people would be blessed. That's the, the priest of the Levitical priesthood, right? But Melchizedek was only a priest that blessed. So Jesus is in the order of Melchizedek. He's only mentioned twice in the Old Testament. Only twice. He's mentioned three times in Hebrews. You with me? You're wondering who this guy is. This is why it's important. Look at this. Of whom we have much to say. I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. And I and 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 this verse right here of 11, he's talking about Melchizedek. Like Paul has a lot to say about Melchizedek, right? Since you have become dull of hearing, right? It's hard and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. And then it says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. They're tied up. The first principles of the oracle of God are tied up with Melchizedek. You see that? It's in context, right? And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So Melchizedek is tied up with the oracles, the, the first principles and oracles of God. So don't you think it would behoove us to find out more about Melchizedek? Amen? So let's see this. If you go to Genesis 14, this is after uh, Abram had defeated four kingdoms, right? Four kingdoms. And, and, and then Melchizedek shows up. He's the king of Salem. He brought out what? Bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. Now, we just saw in Hebrews that Jesus is perfected, and he's in the order of Melchizedek. You read any theology book, they'll tell you that Melchizedek, king of Salem, is Jesus in precarnate. Okay? You know what Salem means? 
You know how the world has turned Salem into a, a bad place where they kill witches? Look what Salem means. Complete, safe, peaceful, perfect, whole, full, at peace. All those things. That's who the king of Salem is. Jesus is the king of peace. He is the king of perfection. And Melchizedek is a king that only blesses. What did he bring? What did he bring? He brought the, 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 the Holy Communion. He brought the Lord's Supper. This is before the law was given. This was before Abram gave him anything. You know why? Because communion testifies to the fact that Jesus died. Communion testifies to the fact that because Jesus died, guess what's going to happen? And we have the benefit to look back. But you know what Abram's first response was? His first response. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. Listen, that's the first place in Scripture you see God Most High. Is that important? Yeah, when you see it for the first time that his name, God Most High, is mentioned here, what is it tied to? It's tied to communion and, check this out, uh, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and he gave him a tithe of all. Now listen, what is tied up to God Most High? Communion and tithing. That's why we do it in that order. Because we're acknowledging him as God Most High. That's why we do communion first. We acknowledge that Christ died for us, his death. Right? And then we tithe afterwards because now we're saying he's alive. He's alive. That's why we do it. You have to have a revelation. Like he said in, uh, in Hebrews, man, this isn't for everybody. Some people don't have that revelation. You can give and tithe. You can do that, guys, by, by checking a box, by doing it by religion. You can do that if you want. But if you want to know God's secret plan to bless you, you do it because you have a revelation in your heart that he's alive. And he's for you. Amen? Do you believe he's alive? So, uh, now, the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. The king of Sodom is a picture of Satan. Sodom and Gomorrah, Satan comes in, it literally means uh, hot, like a burning. That's Satan. So now, because he sees the blessing on Abraham, Satan wants to stop it. He wants to stop Abraham from giving a tenth of all he has. Why? Why would Satan want to stop somebody from doing that? Well, this is why. Uh, he says, give me the persons, take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. Abram was concerned that somebody else would get the glory for him becoming wealthy. 
So when it's tied up with God most high, Satan wants to stop you from that. He wants to stop you from, from doing communion by, by condemning you, making you think that you'll die or get sick or something. He wants you to think that communion doesn't really work. He wants you to not tie because that way he can get the glory, but he gets the glory by giving you the, the, the thought that you were the one that caused the increase. You see how it works? And guys, I never saw this. How many of you guys are glad your pastor is growing in this? This is very hard. Because I was questioning God and asking why, and, and he said, I'm going to show you. I'll show you. I'm like, I, I was just, it was a rhetorical question, God. I really don't want to know. Just let me stay where I'm at. Keep doing what we're doing. But then I would be robbing the church of a blessing. It is a blessing to give. And I tell you, you guys know me. I told myself a long time ago I would never, ever. How many guys have you ever heard me preach about tithing? Ever. And, and, and visitors are here today and they're like, great, another church, another tithing message. We don't do that here. And this is not a tithing message. I'm telling you how God is out there to bless you. And I, we ain't worried about my, if, if you're giving money to this church just to give money to this church, don't, unless you have a revelation. I'm telling you, have a revelation because you can give and not have a revelation and be blessed and, and have increase. You can. Pharisees did that. But I'm here to tell you, if you give with a revelation of God's great love for you, man, then you're going to start to see some things happen. That's the Bible way. That's what it says. And I didn't know that. There was a time when I was telling people not to give. Like, literally, don't give. We don't need your money. Is that the Sunday that God calls the lights to go out? Y'all remember that? We had a flashlight up here. <laughs> and I still didn't get the hint. God, God's like, what else you want me to do, man? The whole point, guys, is just, it's, it's, I'll show you, by the end of this, you'll see, it's not a message on, I'm telling you, you got to tithe, man. Listen, we're not about to be kicked out of here. That's not why I'm doing this. All right? You understand what I'm saying? It, this was hard on me because it literally, God was working on me. And I didn't want to do it. I didn't. I, I, I started to have these feelings of, uh, you know, so much stuff happened just yesterday with the message. I, I tried to send it. It didn't go through on my phone. And then, and then Kathy said, why did you send the message three times? I'm like, it didn't go through. Like, I was getting mad. I was going to throw my phone in my pool. It's crazy. And then, and then I started thinking, man, spiritual warfare, man. God, and, God, and I heard, kept hearing God and my, and my father in my head saying, Troy, don't focus on the spiritual warfare. Don't give him glory. He's like, just preach it like you always do. Have life. Be full of joy. But it was hard, man. I ain't gonna lie to you. It was hard when I got here. I was like, I was gonna text Bob. I was gonna, because you know, Bob's a mentor of mine. I was gonna text him this morning. I was on the toilet in the bathroom in there, and and I thought of Bob. <laughs> and I'm like, should I text Bob and tell him to come early? And then in my head, I'm thinking, nah. If he gets here early then it's meant to be. If not, God got me. I don't need Bob. 
like physically. And it's not that I don't need Bob. It's that I was thinking I needed Bob to do this, to pray over me. Because that name just kept popping up. Right? He's not God, is he, Miss Debbie? <laughs> that was a quick no. <laughs> What's that? No, I didn't either, man. And, and, and praise be to God. Yeah, yeah, I did. Kelly and I were saying we did too. We're, my whole life I've been struggling with this. What to do? Why? What's the point? Can I just, you know, give my time? A tenth of my time? Yeah, y'all reason like that? That's the enemy, man. That is the enemy in our heads. The reason you do it is you're going to see to be blessed by the Lord so that he can establish his new covenant. That's why the Bible says he increases your wealth to establish his covenant. The new covenant of grace. Amen? Because you're given from a grateful heart. It's beautiful, man. Beautiful. All right? So Abram didn't want anybody to, to think that somebody else made him rich except for God. The tenth was to show that God was the source of his wealth. That's why you give a tenth. I've done some deep research. I, and when I say deep, I mean on my knees. Like, Lord, what is that about? And this is what it is. The tenth was to show. It's to show that God is the source of everything we have. You know, if you if, if you were in, had a business partner. No, not even a business partner. Your boss. Right? The one that's giving you your paycheck. Does he require a tenth back? Not even require. Does he ask for a tenth back? He doesn't. It doesn't work like that in the world. That's why it's hard for us to get our head around. Why does God want a tenth, man? Well, it's not, it's not that he wants it. He doesn't even need it. It's, it's just to show that he is the source of your wealth. That's why Abram immediately did that. When the bread and the wine were brought out, Communion. That's why, that's what Abram, nothing else between that and Abram giving a tent. Because he, he was thankful for the victory that he had over the four kings, the four enemies that came against him. And his first reaction was to, was communion and then giving. It, I never saw that. All right, Luke 16, Jesus said, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. Do you know, I, I didn't understand this, and I was really afraid to go there. <laughs> didn't want to go there. But you know, I found out what is least? Money. To God, money is least. He's like, man, if you're faithful with money, the least, right, you'll be faithful with much. And by much, I found out from many commentaries that much means soul saving. Because that's what's more important. That's what tithes are for. That's what they get used for. They don't get used to, 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 to you know... <laughs> To buy me a new car with air, AC. Although that's on the table. If anybody wants to bless a brother. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I was thinking since God blessed me, I would just keep going. <laughs> Why stop there? You had not because you asked not, Miss Debbie. Thank you, Lord, for my Range Rover. Somebody want to say amen? It says we're two, if two or three agree on a thing, thank you. That's one. 
Oh. How does it always become about me? All right. So, uh, faith will also in much, and he will. Oh, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Like, like if you are unjust with money, you're unjust with people, saving people. Your mind's not right because you're all about the money. Benjamins, as the kids say, or kids did say back in the eighties. It, it, <laughs> you, you all about the Benjamins, yo. And, but that so, so therefore. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous manning, because you know, money is evil in this world. Money is in the world. Now, money is not evil. The use of money, the, the love of money is evil. Right? And it's unclean. It is. But just because it's unclean doesn't mean that it's not for you. It doesn't mean that. Right? So he's saying, if you're unfaithful in the unrighteous manning, who will commit to your trust the true riches? True riches is soul saving. That's the true riches of life. It's being able to make a difference in somebody's life. There was a there's a lady here this morning that made a big difference in my life by sharing a testimony about her son. I needed that this morning. The Lord knew I needed that this morning. That's the true riches of this world. Being able to have an impact on people's life for the better. Being able to help people. Being able to give people hope in Christ. Like look at me. Look where I was. Look where I am. Look what God has done for me. You're like, Troy, you don't have AC. Listen, it's not about those things that are my true riches. My true riches come from the testimonies where I'm impacting lives and God is using me to do that. He does that for you too. You have an opportunity every every day to bless somebody. But if you're just about money, you don't understand the true riches. And so, and if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? But it's, it's not about, it's more about money is the least thing. Saving souls is the great riches. Giving people hope is the great riches. So if you are faithful with money, then you will be faithful with people. That's basically what Jesus was saying there. That's my interpretation. If you are faithful with money, you will be faithful with people. Because you're not all about your money. You're all about saving souls. You're all about giving people hope. That's why the church, that's why you don't forsake the assembly. We give people hope. Amen? We need hope ourselves. It's a rough rough place outside them doors. All right, look at this in Luke 11. But rather give alms of such things as you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. All things. Remember I said money is unclean to unclean manning? But all things are clean to you. Why? Why are things clean to you? Because you have the light in you. Anything you touch, you bring God's favor to. No matter what it is. That's why Jesus was able to touch a leper. And the leper caught what Jesus had. No one was allowed to touch lepers. Because you would catch leprosy. But under grace, that leper caught what Jesus had. He was healed. Amen? Same principle, right? But then he says, but woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. He's saying, man, the the Pharisees would tithe with the money and all that, but they, they had no interest in the justice and the love of God. They were given religiously. They were just checking a box. 
And Jesus said, man, you should not have left the others undone. Meaning you should do justice and the love of God. That's why you give because you're loved by God and not leave the tithing undone. I used to tell people not to tithe. And I was wrong. The reason why you tithe is to be blessed by God. To be able to, to, you're telling God, and I believe I wrote this down, right? No. You're telling, you're telling God, you are the source of everything I have. That's, that's why you tithe. And by doing that, he causes increase. Because you labor, then you tithe, he causes increase. That's what we just saw in the Bible. It's true for everybody today. I just never understood it. I never wanted to know what it was, honestly. But now I do. It's a true blessing to be able to do that, right? So, uh, Hebrews 7, 4. We're going back to Hebrews. We're going to finish up right here. Now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of his spoil. How great was Melchizedek? He was great. How much greater is Jesus today? Much greater. And he's saying, Paul, I believe Paul wrote it again. Now consider how great this man was to whom Abram gave a tenth. So look at this. Whoever you tie to, you are declaring that person is great. If you tie, goes to, to, to cable TV all the time. You're declaring it's great. And that's okay, it is great. But man, this is why you give back to the Father. Because you're declaring He is great. That's why Abram was so concerned about Satan coming in and taking that glory from him. You're just saying, my Lord is the great. My Father in heaven is great. You're testifying that He's alive. Check this out. Last verse, seven, verse 7 and 8. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. The lesser is blessed by the better. The better is our Lord in heaven. And he blesses us, right? Here, mortal men receive tithes. Here, mortal men receive tithes. But there, he receives them of whom it is witness that he lives. So when you tithe, you're saying you're great and you're alive. And I believe it. I believe you're alive. And I was like, thank you, Lord. I never knew why I had to tithe. I thought you were trying to get me to quit spending money everywhere else. But the reason you tithe is because you were testifying that he's great and that he's alive. Amen? Do you know Jacob? Joseph was dead, right, in Jacob's mind. He was dead. And, and then his brothers came back and said, hey, Joseph lives. And Jacob goes, no, he's not. He's not. He's dead. He's dead. He died. I saw the coat. He's dead, right? Then he walked out of his tent, and he saw the riches on the carts. And the Bible says he knew right then and there that Joseph lived. His son was alive. You know what that says to us? Joseph is a picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. And I'm telling you, when people see you blessed, they are going to know, because you're going to know, they're going to know that he's alive. That he's alive today. That's how it works, church. That is God's plan to bless you. The reason we tithe, if I didn't, a lot of pastors 
that I grew up hearing, when they preached on tithing, it was about a building fund. It's because we needed a new building. Honestly, that's been my experience. Doesn't, I'm not saying that's everybody's experience. It's been my experience. I hope you can see now the reason we tithe is to testify that he is great and he is alive. The reason we do communion is to testify that we know he died for us. We know we're healed. We know we're forgiven. And then we go right into tithing. That's what the order of Melchizedek is. It's important that we study that. Amen? We can't shy away from it. But my point is, if, if when I was growing up, if, 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 if I'm a teenager and I start to hear a message like this, my whole life is going to be different. I'm not going to question whether or not I got to keep the nursery in order because I'm not tithing. I'm going to keep the nursery. You know what I mean? Don't play games like that. Know that he's alive. Know that, that, that the Lord is in you. The light is in you. It may be deep darkness all around you. You may be looking at a pile of bills, a pile of debt, but the way to increase church. And I am saying this by faith right now. The way to increase is to testify that he died for you and then to give because he's great and he's alive today. And if he's alive today, then he's for you. If he's alive today, he will meet your needs. If he's alive today, he'll go above your needs. You know why he blesses you? So that you can be a blessing to others. It's not to make you wealthy. It's not to make your bank account grow. It's so that you can use that because now you have a heart to save souls. Now you have a heart to bless people without even questioning it. We give not to get something back. We give because we love people just like he does. And there is going to be a wealth transfer in the world. There is. The Bible predicts that. The Bible even showed you one back in the day. Whenever there's deep darkness, there's a wealth transfer because, not to make you rich, to make you a blessing to people. And that blessing is he's going to establish his covenant, his covenant of grace. People will see that on you. Do you believe that, church? Can you receive that? Amen. Give him praise. Give him praise.